Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. Jamie, it's extra special to see you today because I just got to see you in person, give you a hug. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. Good to see you. You as well. Like you said, we were together this weekend. Um, for those of you that are unaware of why, it was the Solom Strong Benefit. Trevor Solom was on our podcast here about a month and a half ago. Um, it's crazy to think that it was that long ago already, um, but we got to to lift him and his family up and to support them through, uh, you know, the silent auctions, donations. If that's something you are interested in doing, um, we have some links back through our Facebook group page, but it's, it's Venmo at Solem Strong is the, is the coolest way to, to support their family. Um, if you were inspired by his message, uh, you know, that donation link will still be up for a little while here as, as we're kind of finalizing that process of the benefit and, and getting all that done. Thanks to everybody who helped put that on. Cause it was amazing to see the, the support that poured out for him in our community and, uh, you know, Trev, we love you. We care about you deeply. And, uh, everybody showed up to, to say exactly that. Yeah, man. Whoa. What a powerful experience to see all of those people be there and say, Hey, you matter to us or you're important. And, and, uh, like Jamie said, we send all of our love to you guys and thanks to those communities. And, and speaking of communities, Jamie, that's one thing we talk about a lot on this podcast. And sometimes I feel like, man, we, we talk about it too much, but I don't know that you can, you know, again, having that experience last weekend and saying how important that is to surround yourself with people and to make an pour into other people, we got to have a really cool conversation today with, with somebody from your community, your head football coach uh, from your high school days. Take it anywhere you want. Introduce him. Uh, give, us, give us the skinny. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to play for Tom Murphy for my whole life, mostly, right? He was the flag football coordinator when I was in third or fourth grade. He was my fourth grade teacher. He was my head football and track coach. Uh, his influence in my life cannot be underestimated. And the cool part is, is not just my life, right? It was, it was a bunch of young men and women from our community that are better changed people because of the place and the role that he had you know, we talk about Trevor and I think that's why the support was so great this weekend is because people feel that way about him. And that's the, that's the value of leadership, right? That's what leadership, it doesn't have to be coaching. It doesn't have to be teaching, right? Obviously the impact on young people is great for those people. But when you have great leaders that pour into community and connect each other, uh, you can have a lasting impact. And, and Tom certainly does. And we talk about how he did that and how he built that. And um, I love some of his answers here because it's not rocket science, right? It, it's just do the right thing and be you in a lot of ways. And he talks us through how he approached that stuff. And I, I'm so grateful he was able to join us um, because he's poured into me a lot over the years. And I think as I've grown, I've been able to do that for him also. And so it, it's a great opportunity for us to do that for you all and, and for you to be a part of it, John was, was really cool. So. Yeah, no. I, and to, to be here and I, I, I just, it's a cool experience. Anytime you get to 
be with people who have impacted your life and, and those people around you that uh, you really care about. So it's cool for me to just be a part of, you know, you guys' conversation. And um, like you said, a lot of, a lot of really simple stuff that isn't very easy. It's not yeah. rocket science, right? Uh, the formulas out there. Um, but, but a, a cool time and I appreciate being a part of it too. And uh, I always introduce our guests and I, you know, I'm about to say coach Murphy, you know, he's retired, but I think, you know, I think when I was talking to my basketball coach, I don't think that label ever, ever leaves. Yeah. I think it's a, a term of reverence and, and respect that um, are bestowed on so, so few people and um, appreciate it. So coach Tom Murphy, here we go. Murph, it is amazing to have you on. For those of you that missed this in the intro, I don't know how you would have, but this is my high school head football coach, head track coach, Tom Murphy um, from Nicollet, Minnesota. It is amazing to see you and to have you on the podcast finally. How are you? I'm great, Jamie. Good to see you. Good you to as see well. You. Uh, I, our first time, Coach, I've heard a lot about you. I'm excited to get a chance to talk to you and test some of the things that Jamie has told me throughout the years. So uh, excited right. for the conversation. Okay. Only small embellishments, John, just uh, little, little details. Um, so you are in a transition phase of life. You have been the head coach in Nicollet in some capacity, more or less for the last 30 years. You're no longer in that role. What are you up to to stay busy here now that you've retired and have given up football? Well, uh, this summer, I took the first summer where I just kind of let things happen. Um, you know, no weight room, no uh, planning practices, no camps, no nothing. Um, and uh, that's kind of the decision I made when I process I went through and I said, I'm going to give it up is I want to see what it's like without. And uh, so a lot of travel with my family, uh, my wife and I and my sons who are both married now. Um, my wife and I spent one week in Hawaii and then our sons joined us for a week. Um, so I'm guessing we're a pretty cool mom and dad at that point in time, even though our kids are older. Um, and uh, my youngest son got married in end of June. So we had about a close to a week up in the Duluth area where that took place. Um, and I got a little vacation coming up here uh, this, this weekend. Um, so it's just a lot of travel, a lot of family, um, a lot of downtime. And that's been okay. It's been okay. Um, so it's it's uh you know what we got a couple of days in now for the Minnesota season and it's not like I'm gotta get to a practice. I'm gonna go out and watch uh, a college practice here coming up one of these days and maybe visit some other programs and just kind of see how things are done differently. But um, so far so good. Coach, I, I got to imagine that's probably a good indicator that it was maybe time. You know the fact that you don't that you don't have that deep burning desire because even for me I haven't been coaching now for boy, it's been almost five years. And I still, there's, there's some days where it's like, uh, I know that they just started. I know they're out there doing X, Y, and Z, but I, I, I go ahead and feel free to chime in. I have other questions, but go ahead. If you, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a process to go through for something you've done for so long. It was 31 years. Um, Jamie can tell you when I came here, I never planned to coach football, uh, played in high school, um, and, uh, ran track in college. Um, and it just kind of fell, fell into me and uh, went with it. And, you know, obviously when you're young and you're foolish, you, you have en energy, you're going to do everything uh, that took place for a number of years. Um, but I think just over time, 
uh, all the extras that go into it. And, and I'm not saying our program is any more unique or different than anybody else, but in a small setting, you do all of it. And it just got to be a lot. And uh, my oldest son, Sean, is now coaching at White Bear Lake, and he's in his third year. Um, I stepped back for a few years when both of my sons were at St. Thomas and uh, was going to watch them. And then uh, through just different things with their career when that ended, I uh, just did junior high in Nicollet. And that was nice. I felt like I was just coaching, teaching. There was none of the extra stuff that went with it. And that was, in many ways, as enjoyable as any time. And then um, got kind of talked back into it for a few years, but never thought it would go that long. And just, I'll be honest, I think last year doing this through that pandemic, and I know things can be different this year, it got to be a lot. And I just decided that maybe it was time. And I want to see what it's like without and find out where the balance is of what I need to have for football in my life. And that might take a couple of years. So we'll be watching White Bear Lake a lot and doing some other things and going from there. And we're going to be grandparents too. So we're looking forward to that. Exciting. So, uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. No, go ahead. Um, I just thinking like you talk about it just kind of being time to step away. And as athletes, we, we, a lot of us aren't, we don't get the option to choose that. And that identity being so wrapped up in this thing that we've done, you know, from the time we're eight to the time we're 22 or 18 or whatever, how have you, and I, I know some of the answers to this question, but this is a curiosity question for me too, is like, how have you prepared to, to be without football in some ways? What, what things are, have you bought into or dug into to, to create that transition in a healthy way instead of, you know, instead of, and being in a place where it might be time, you know, feeling like it is time and I'm ready to be moving on. I think having things to do, uh, I told you before we came on air that, you know, I've taken a lot out of your, uh, some of your past podcasts. I think it was John Krasinski uh, really enjoyed that one. And, and listening to him, I believe he was the one that talked about, you know, when he came home and, and now life has changed and it's finding a community, finding something you're a part of. Uh, and Jamie, you and I have had this conversation numerous times. And, you know, I think the thing that I was worried about by not doing football is that was such a community to me, yeah. you know, and that, that community at Nicollet. And that's was all, you know, probably created a lot by me. Yeah. And so now it's like, okay, that's who I was. And, you know, I've listened to some of your other people talk about that identity and that identity is, you know, Nicollet football is, 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 is what I was. And, uh, so it's fine figuring something else out. And a number of years ago, I really got into taking care of myself, lost a lot of weight, uh, started working out. I have a gym in Mankato that I spend a ton of time at. Uh, I've taken away a lot from that that I use with athletes, but I could see myself doing more on the strength and conditioning side, uh, still having that contact. I, I still coach track and field. Um, but now instead of, you know, getting to the to the gym either early in the morning at 5 30 was the only way it worked which was for me to discipline myself to do that was was good uh but now maybe i'll do it five days a week instead of three yeah. days a week um you know those kind of things so i am still looking for things but uh more family things um you know and and uh, uh we'll see you know i uh, more time with my wife and so um but so far it's so good yeah redefining what that community is yeah. even, you know, I, I mean, I think so many of us, as we create a transition in our life, you know, like we move, John has moved a few times. Like, how do you redefine who's a part of that and who influences yeah. your life and your community? And I think, you know, for anybody that's listening, they can, they can hear those things and say, it's okay to not know, <laughs> you know, it's okay to be searching. Um, 
but, but define it at, as soon as you can and then buy into it and, you know, your gym, your church, whatever, those are places yeah. where you can connect with people, your family. So it's awesome. No. And I think it's so important regardless of how long, if it's been 30 years or five years, you know, I think back to the, or not think back, I think of the coaches that I know in my life and kind of the turnover there's even, you know, coaches, Jamie, that we've worked with in the last couple of years that are, have just decided, you know what, this isn't going to fit in my life right now, whether it's family or other priorities, or let's face it outside influences that they just don't want to deal with anymore. But I think that's what coach, why it was so important for me to ask those questions or hear your perspective on those is because I think all coaches need to be thinking about why am I doing this? And, and at what point am I maybe not giving my whole heart, my whole effort into this thing? And maybe I need to be doing something else, but let's, let's go back though. We're, we're talking about the end. Let's go back to the beginning. You never thought you were going to coach football. You take over early nineties. Is that correct? I'm uh, 91, 91. And so, and here's the thing, John, they were terrible. Um, yeah, no, my, I, well, no, you've told me so that, so coach, you take over a program, not real successful. And Jamie says terrible, but I'll forgive him for being so negative, not, not real successful. How, how do you go from there to, by the time Jamie graduates in 2003, you've been to, you know, seven, eight state tournaments, you're winning a bunch of games, you lose six games in his four years there. And you just referenced it a little bit ago. I think this is probably part of the answer and I'll stop talking and let you answer. But you said you've built a community and a lot of that was built, you know, kind of intentionally through you, but maybe just talk through where you were at the beginning and who, how do you get to where it was? Yeah, I think, uh, dumb luck. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I got hired at Nicollet and I've been here my whole career and, um, you know, I just, when I, I guess to go back a bit, you know, one of the biggest influences on me was my former assistant, Kevin Christensen. And uh, Kevin taught with me for a long time. Uh, he wasn't coaching when Jamie played, but uh, we had, we were fortunate to have Jamie back with us for a year in, it'll be, what was it? 2000 or 99. Yeah. Oh, nine. No. Oh, nine. 2009. Yeah. Uh, my son, Sean was playing at the time and we made a run to the state championship. And uh so Kevin was on our staff, but anyway, Kevin was the head coach when I got here and um, there was no football at Nicollet. They were going to go with two coaches to coach seven through 12. And I was, I was hired here as a long-term um, sub through Christmas to teach. And um, I said, well, I'll take on some coaching if you have it. And I was looking at, I stopped, remember stopping in St. Peter on the way home to my hometown because I was living with my parents still. And I interviewed for a volleyball job. I didn't know nothing about volleyball, but I'm driving home make a little extra money and I get a call from Nick. Yeah, we, we got to hire a junior high coach. And it was like, wow, you don't even have one. And um, so came over and did junior high, helped with the varsity. They did struggle. Jamie's right. It was, it was, uh, you know, that. and so at the end of the year, they'd had three tough years and, and Kevin was trying his best. And in my opinion, got forcefully pushed out and it shouldn't have happened. And he comes to me in the spring that year and he says, you know, I know they need a football coach. Um, I'd have no problem if you want to throw your name in. I'm like, really? <laughs> he says, you know, it might keep your job because, you know, back then, you know, schools would, we were looking at making some cuts and whatever. And he supported me with it. And so for the first couple of years I did it, it was just a lot of excitement, 
Um, you know, you just, you did dumb things like you lose the first game by 40 and you'd stay up till three in the morning watching film. And it's like, it's not going to change, but you did those dumb things. And, and uh, Kevin was there to give me ideas. And then it was a few years later, I went to him and I, I, I said, you know, would you like to come back and coach? And uh, really shaped me a lot. And off and on, he was with me a number of times over the years and became our AD. And, and uh, you know, if he doesn't put that bug in my ear, I'll, I'll never coach probably, at least football. And um, so, you know, I was fortunate. And then, oh, second or third year, I remember we, we hap- happened to, in Nicollet, if you get a class, senior class of seven, that's a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for those out there, we play nine man. And so uh, the one thing somebody told me right away when I coached nine man is it's got a few different rules, uh, nothing big. But you can do some things that are real creative, and uh, you don't have to tell me twice. We're going to do them, and um, so we had a lot of fun, and we made it fun for the kids. But we had a year where we got second, in the, or we we got to the section finals, and for Nicollet that was huge. Um, and uh, so okay, we had a taste of things, and just slowly got better, and just kept sticking with it. I think, uh, you know, I changed a lot, and one of the things I think Jamie will tell you is I am always open to look at different things. Um, I do not have the answer to everything. Um, and, uh, I'm not coach Boone either from, uh, 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 remember the Titans. We do a lot of stuff and, um, sometimes probably too much, but we made it fun for kids. And, uh, I think that was a huge part of it. And, you know, it was like, felt like I was always battling other sports in a town like Nicollet, we gotta be a sports town. We can't be a, a basketball town or a football town or a baseball town or a track town or anything like that. We have to be a sports town. And so we kind of got kids going in the right direction and, putting in the time and, you know, getting some kids in the weight room and just, you know, all the things that you've been told you got to do and it just came together. And once we got good groups of kids, um, I think the community just formed and, you know, that's, that's how it kind of came together. And we just kept having good enthusiasm and, you know, I don't know, I'm lucky in many ways. And I I think that, you know, I, I follow a guy on Twitter named Steve Magnus. He's one of the track coaches at the university of Houston. And he, he talks about like, we don't contribute enough of our success to luck sometimes, or to being unlucky sometimes, because like, let's face it, sport and games have rules and they're played with a weird shaped ball and like things happen that are strange. And, and I look back to, you know, John, a little bit on the biography side, we didn't go to six day tournaments, seven state tournaments. You've done that in your career. Some of it was after I was done. Um, I didn't say you went to six, Jamie. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Um, But I think a lot of that was we had one or two groups that kind of bought in big time. And then you saw, oh, this, we could do this. Like, I think there was a belief system in place, you know, through the late 80s, early 90s, where it was like, well, Nicklet's bad at football, you know? Um, And I just was, I was talking to somebody this spring when the girls were in the softball section final. And well, Nicklet's not good at softball, are they? Was the question, right? And it was, I was like, I don't know. You know, I have no idea that I, I haven't, I'm not traditionally, I don't think, but I think we get stuck in those thought processes, right? These belief systems that we're not good at that here. And then the breakthrough happened in 99 and we make it to the state finals. And like you said, it, that year we threw it all over the place, right? In this section or in the state semis, we throw for 400 some yards. A couple of years later, we're pounding at people. A couple of years after that, like you said, you're willing to do anything. You're running an offense where there's essentially one offensive lineman, you know, and 
you're doing all this stuff and you're having success with all of it. And I think the thing that you said that just lands home with me and probably something I've communicated to a lot of coaches just from learning through you is like, it was something we believed in and it didn't matter what we were doing, right? It didn't matter the scheme. It didn't matter the format. Like you've done a lot of different things in the weight room. You've been super creative. You've done a lot of different things with speed and, and, and that sort of development been super creative. It didn't matter what it was. We just believed in you, yeah. you know, we believed in what you were bringing. How do you like, I know that that's a really abstract thing, but how do you create that relational basis to say, whatever I do, I'm going to try it. And I think we saw you like wrestle with things, wrestle with, I, I don't know if it's right, but we're going to try it. And then we took some of those risks too. How do you, how do you give that away? Cause that's really important. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it, Jamie is just the, the amount of time I spent with you guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was, I was involved and I tried to involve you guys in as much as we could, you know, back when you were playing and coach Wick was here and, you know, you think about all the things that we did together as a group, you know, where we got you guys in, but the day we got the new blocking sled, that was a huge thing in Nicollet, you know, <laughs> we went out and got a top of the line and everybody showed up because they wanted to see it. And, you know, we, we built those things up and you guys all came in and we put it together and we got the fields ready for camps and we got the fields ready. And it was just like, okay, we made it a part of what you, you we made you a part of it. Um, and I think that's where that community came from. And, you know, even over the years, it's, you know, parents want to be involved and, and we all know that there can be good and bad sides to that. And you got to figure out a way to get parents involved because they can be helpful. And then I think another thing was um, when I first started coaching, they used to have a, a nine man uh, clinic out in Lake Benton many a long, long time ago. And so Kevin tells me, you got to go to this. And it, it no longer exists anymore because like Benton doesn't be on the school. And I went to it and heard different things. But somebody talked about having volunteers and that they, you know, being small school, you need all the help you can get. And you got to be careful about who you get. I always tried to keep most people at arm's length. Um, but if you could have one or two volunteers, especially if you're from community and you're doing things right, the message they go out and give in your community is huge. And I was fortunate over the years to have those people that could go out and share what was taking place. And, uh, you know, it just was another layer. And then, you know, figuring out how is it parents can be involved in the right way. And, um, you know, and then, you know, just over time, your convictions grow stronger and, you know, what you'll talk about with parents and what you won't talk about with them. And, uh, you know, that just took time. And I think that's, I, I'll, I'll relate, I'll give a lot of credit to you. And, you know, I learned a lot from you guys going on to play college ball because my experiences were not anything great up until that time. Uh, just going with what I thought was right, but to have you guys enough, enough trust and come back and share things and, and build and all that kind of stuff. And so I think it's just the enthusiasm. I, you know, I, if we we're in the weight room, I was probably doing it with you. If we were outside, I was probably doing it with you. Um, always killing a little bit inside when I realized I was getting slower and slower and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's even when my sons played, you know, it was a way to make those boys a part of our family in some way and things like that. And, you know, maybe that's where over the years, not having those tighter connections gave me, got me to the point where I was ready to move away from it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just think going with what you think is right, having those convictions to do the right thing. I'll, I'll, I'll share a little funny thing. When I was first coaching, we were playing on the old field and we were, we were getting probably pounded pretty good. And I remember being inside the goal line and we went for it 
uh, on, on third down, I think we threw it. And I hear somebody hollering me, what are you throwing the ball for? So you know what I did on fourth down? I threw it again. You know, I, I, I didn't want somebody to think, oh, they influenced him. You know, I don't think we got it touchdown or anything, but you just got to stick to it yourself. And, you know, that, that comes in time. So it reminds me of actually last week's episode. We were talking about culture and the guy said, there's no culture if you have no contact. And that's exactly what you're talking about is how do we create as much contact with our teams? And again, this is beyond sports. It's in a school, you know, with teachers, it's in a business with your employees, it's in your families. How do you create culture? It's as much contact and be in it together, do the things together. Um, but I want to go back. You, you talked about volunteers and parents. I think we have a ton of coaches that are listening that say, okay, I know that parents are important. I know that volunteers are important. And I think, you know, obviously you coach for a long time and that's helpful because you can kind of set some boundaries around what you want them to do or not do. And, and you have a little bit more influence, but if you were speaking to coaches that are listening that, you know, maybe you don't have 30 years of experience in the clout that you had in the community, but maybe are saying, Hey, how do I involve parents in a successful way? And how do I efficiently use volunteers? What, what kind of advice would you give them? I think you have to, you have to like clearly communicate. I think nowadays we have so many ways to communicate with people. Um, you know, uh, it took me a while to embrace like doing the email and all that kind of stuff. But I think as much as it drives me nuts, they still act like they don't know what's going on. Um, you know, but you, you come up with a social media way to share things. So we use Remind, um, you use, have an email group, um, you just blast them with stuff so they can't say they don't know. Uh, we, we always had a meeting at the start of the year. I think most do, but, you know, really determine what your expectations are and lay them out. Um, and I don't know how many years ago it came to, we, you know, I, I always remember starting our meeting and Jamie will tell you, that's exactly what I said earlier. Um, and I know he's referenced it. So he listened to me once, uh, but it was, and this is no, this is no cut on Nicollet because I grew up in a small town, Henderson, Minnesota, half hour from here. I played against Nicollet in high school. Unfortunately, I lost to him as a senior. Um, but somebody taught me is, you know, where, where do we want to be? And, 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 and they said, you know, congratulations, you're the best at Nicollet. And I don't cut that because I grew up in a small town. I wish somebody would have told me, congratulations, you're the best at Henderson. Because whatever I did, I was the best at that position, uh, was a track athlete, you know, I was the best long jumper, whatever. But really, what did that mean if there's only three kids on the track team long jumping or whatever? And, you know, do you want to aspire to be better? Uh, so we talk about that. But then I think over time, you know, we came up with what is it you can tolerate, you know, from parents. And, you know, we came up with things that were, were non-negotiables that we, you know, we just can't discuss. One of them was playing time. It, it just, it's hard. I get that. But. Um, you know, if you, if you, if you, you, yeah, I, if they want to discuss playing time, you know, I'd, I'd ask them to come watch a practice. Um, a lot of times they aren't getting the full side of everything. And this isn't anything new to anybody. Um, another one was X's and O's and, and somebody told me far smarter than me once, you know, if, if you're a throwing team and a parent has got a son, that's a running back and you're not handling the ball off enough. And then he comes to talk to you and, and maybe that next game you go run the ball because you believe it's right. The message you just sent is, oh, you go talk to him. He's going to, you know, so you get that, you're going to get that line out the door and around the corner and down the street. And I think, so you have to, you have to really be calculated about what you will talk about. And then obviously don't talk about other kids. You know, it's one thing, John, if you had a great game for us, I can tell Jimmy's dad, well, John just played well today. That's, but you're not going to talk specifically about those things. 
And then if it's, you know, I think the other thing to do is, is to say, you know, we might agree to disagree and that may be where we have to go with this. And I was fortunate. I had great parents, you know, uh, you know, I think maybe the, the really difficult things I could count on one hand over 30 years. Mm -hmm. So, but I think you just have to really form a belief system of what is it, who you are, know who you are. I, I heard that from Jamie all the time. We got to know who we are and this is who we are. And I probably, I, I didn't know that right away. It took me a long time. Um, but, uh, you know, that's where I think you have to be open to, to others. And that's how I always was. There was, I never had the answer. And uh, just because I did it this way, if I ever did it again or whatever, I might do it totally different. And, um, you know, this model here may not work for somebody else, but sure. you know, that's, that's some of the things that we did. How about, how about volunteer? I mean, did you let volunteers coach or volunteers help with food? How did you use volunteers in your program? Well, the best volunteer, actually, the first one, I think, if I remember, oh, maybe even before that is uh, maybe, you know, I always had some former players coming in, you know, I, here's the situation at Nicollet for 7-12, our school hires three coaches. Yeah. Doesn't matter if we got 60 kids, doesn't matter if we got 30 kids. Um, so you've got two guys running the 9 through 12, and you've got one person doing junior high. Um, and uh, for a number of years, that's all we had. And then you know, so it was always kind of if I could figure out former players that I could trust to come in and help with something, because um, you got to find a way to break kids down. You can't, you can't be training quarterbacks while your offensive line needs something to do or whatever it might be. Um, and then uh, one year with our junior high, you know, with one person coaching 30 kids, maybe that's that's asking a lot. Um, and nowadays it's almost reckless because if you have somebody get hurt or whatever, um, that's a whole nother story you know, about how we approach that. But anyway, a parent came up to the junior high coach and said, I'm willing to help. He said, I really don't know much about the game of football, but if you want, you can take a half of the group and do this and I'll just have them do push-ups. I don't care. You know, we'll, we'll get them working hard. And over time that evolved. And then over time, you figure out what that person can do for you. And by the time they were done, they understood parts of the game. And you could now say, okay, today, this is your group. You go do this with them, but you have to coach them as well. And I think if you have people that are coachable, you can easily do that. Um, you know, if you just bring them in and don't really tell them anything, it's just somebody else standing there watching. And so, but you know, now on game day, they all had their roles. Like this person could fix just about anything. Helmet's broken. All right, go. You knew yeah. in about 30 seconds it was going to be fixed and you're back on the field. So, you know, I, I, I tried to always look for people like that. Also people you knew were going to go out and give that message in the community that what you're doing is the right thing because they can go out and give some pretty bad messages too. And I think the same thing is true with, with kids. Um, and I read this in a book and I, we had a young man many years ago go to practice one morning and I see him in the locker room. We go out. Where is he? Not around. I look over the front of the school. He's sitting out front. Well, I asked the guys and he was never a great player for us, but they, they said, well, he's going to quit. And I remember reading somewhere, well, there might be some kids you know, if you, we never had a ton of kids, so we need everybody, but you got to remember what's the message they're going to carry out. No matter what carries on, they are going to give a message to other kids in your, in your school and they might distract others from playing. So I took time out of practice to go visit with that young man and figure out what was going on. And I really should have been at practice and three gave him the chance to go home for the weekend, think about it. And he was back that next day. And it was all because I didn't want what was that message that was going to be shared with others, regardless if it was right or wrong. It was like, we have to be careful about what that message is. And so, you know, I, I consider that to be 
a chance where we, we saved a young man and made him a part of our program when he could have walked away. And I, I think that is a huge part of my takeaway from my experience with you in, in multiple places. We've obviously become friends and I coached with you as well. And, and you know, I, I was 19 and had coached and had played a year of college football and bring back, hey, let's try this. And you're like, okay, let's do it. And you immediately made me feel like the thing I had was valuable and it was something to offer. And I feel like that was probably something you did, even with that person who you went and talked to, you said, Hey, you have something of value to offer to us. You know, even if it's just the message you're giving to the community, that this is a good place. It's a safe place. You feel valued in this place. That's a really powerful thing because then you don't lose those kids over time. And you talked about it. The sideline at Nicollet football games typically has one or two or four or seven alumni, right? There, there's just always people there. And the thing that I would encourage is like the contact that John is talking about. You don't have culture without contact. It doesn't always have to be from you. I think one of the things that you did extremely well is like the message that you were sending went to everybody. And then you felt perfectly confident that if I was giving the message, it didn't have to be coming from you. If it was, you know, one of my classmates giving the message, it didn't have to come from you. If it was one of the players, you know, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was a coach or a parent or whoever, like we have one unified sort of voice and that's the message everybody's getting. Um, and you just, I, th I think there was a genuine love of the game that grew because everybody was involved and invested. And um, I, I don't know how to challenge people in any other way than to say, like, we were not a football town when I was growing up, when I was, you know, 10 and under. And somewhere along the way, you said be a sports town, but somewhere along the way, it changed and Nicollet kind of became a football town. And it's, I think, because of the love and the passion and the excitement that you brought to it. The challenge in that is Nicollet has a lot of turnover because it's a small community circled by a bunch of bigger communities. And so there's always like there's better pay somewhere else, better opportunities somewhere else. You've had a ton of assistant coaches along the way. How have you dealt with getting that message to them also? You know, I, I think back and I can't even, I couldn't even name them if you said name them. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think it's a matter of, again, some dumb luck. Um, not all were good. But I think it's trying to be real clear about what we're trying to accomplish um, and lead from a front. Um, and, uh, you know, I think giving them autonomy, too. I think uh, allowing them to coach. Um, I, I've never been one that's top down. Um, and I've had things that I am in, responsible for and will we'll take care of. Um, you know, there are times where I say this is what we're going to do. But. I think, you know, from working with you and then with Kevin, I, I didn't even ever, I, I was, was I concerned what Kevin did defensively? You bet. But did it ever worry me? No, it was his side of the ball. Go with it. And I, I did that with, I think a good percentage of my coaches. Um, and uh, they have to have value in what they're doing and you need to let them bring themselves out. And I think then the, the program that we had, it allowed them to figure their way into it. I, I, that's the best I could say. But I think you, you probably, whether consciously, intentionally or not, just a little bit ago, you were talking about the volunteers and, you know, coaching them, right. Mm -hmm. To, Hey, this is what I need you to do, do today, clear expectations, take this group, do this. 
And as they came along and got more understanding of what you were trying to do, there's more responsibility, right? There's, there's a little bit more. And I think sometimes as coaches, we assume that we have an assistant. They, they, they could know, maybe they played, maybe they, whatever they coach somewhere else they know. And I think there's a part of us that needs to make sure that we're coaching the coaches too. And Jamie, we've certainly talked about that in our conversations and how do we help coaches do that? Um, but I, again, whether you did that on purpose coach or not, I, I hear you saying that and how your approach to building your, your community was that that was certainly part of it. Yep. We talk about teach everything. And I think that was something that you did really well is just teach everything. And we were talking about it earlier today when, when we touched base on the phone as a running back and a receiver, I was, we did lineman drills, right. Cause we needed to learn how to block, you know, and like, um, you, one of the things that you've always had is you've always had a quarterback, right? You've always gone and taught a quarterback and a lot of kids learned it in seventh grade. Right. And you're saying, okay, the most important thing is we are going to throw the ball at the nine man level and not a lot of teams do that. So we're going to coach a quarterback from early on. I think that's a good challenge to think about in your businesses in your what's priority number one. And I think you got, you've always done that. Um, did you, did you pick that up from somebody or how did that evolve? You know, I, I think it just, well, it doesn't take much to figure out, watch the top level, level football teams, be it NFL college or whatever. I mean, I wasn't a quarterback, probably deep down, always wanted to be. Me too. Um, Me too. (laughs) But, uh, you know, everybody wants to touch the ball, which is another total subject, but, um, I think it's, you know, there is such a responsibility in that position. And I think if you have the right people there, they can follow. And, you know, I think uh, Jamie senior year, the young man that we had at quarterback, I think that group would have followed him anywhere. Um, and uh, it talented as Hackens, but so was Jamie and many, many others. Um, but, you know, I didn't really figure this out until uh, I was reading Tipping Point by, was it Gladwell? Mm-hmm. And the big thing I took away from that is a connector. He talks about a connector. You know, you have different people that have different roles and how they, uh, I remember him talking about, you know, somebody, one person who can go out and talk about a, a restaurant they went to and, you know, 25 people might show up for that restaurant, but somebody else, by the way they, they connect and do things, they might get 2,500 people to go to that restaurant. And um, two years ago, when we were looking at, we thought we could be a pretty good team. We had a young man that I said, he's our connector. He's that guy that just, doesn't have to be the superstar this player a lot of times they're pretty good because they can lead by example but it was like that's that player and i can go back over the years now now i've read this since and i can pick out that connector just about every single time and um it 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 can't be it can't be somebody who's going to be the boss you know that's i always like to use the per the term i preach you teach you know i want my players to teach let me do the preaching and it's real easy and you know when things aren't going well and i'm sure you guys have been through your experiences athletically where everybody wants to point the finger and it's but if you can get people to understand there's there's people have jobs to do in that setting and the coach's job is to take care of that not always easiest thing to do um but uh, those kind of people understand that and they can bring everybody together and i remember just having a couple years ago that conversation with that young man and you know, I, we had a great year and I think, you know, that person understood after I sat down and explained why I think you can be that person. And, 
you know, now if I could go back, I could easily use that same mentality with those people as we went. So to me, that's, I think, a big part of it. So I, I probably just did it by accident long ago. And now I kind of understand why. It's so true. We, we rework a definition as to why something worked or mattered when we, when we hear the language, we're just like, oh, that's what, that's what it was. That's how it did. And now I can explain it to somebody else in a meaningful way, but I couldn't have 10 years ago. I couldn't have explained to you why it works. It just did. And now I have some knowledge about it and, and can make it work. And I, I, I think you know, our most recent guest, Martin Rooney said this, like, you need to be reading, you need to be engaging, you need to be learning. Like that was something you demonstrated for us. Like you showed us, uh, we don't, I don't think we have the personnel to do this any longer. Let's try and do this other thing and let's go and go to Gustavus and, you know, the college debt right down the road and learn from them and, and run some four wide stuff at the nine man level, which just wasn't happening at the time. You know, you let me come back and, you know, uh, other members of our groups that have gone to college and like, okay, we're going to teach a new blocking scheme because that worked for them at their school. You, we're going to do a different, different thing defensively because that worked for them at their school. Like it was this constant learning. And now looking back, you can explain it, but in the time it was like, ah, sure. I got a little bit lucky, you know? And, um, and I've, we've been there. Like, I, you know, we had a ton of success in the track program that I was at and it's like, could I replicate it? I don't know. I hope so. Um, but some of it was just lucky. And now that I I've read enough, I can tell you, Oh, we were doing this and that's why it was successful. But at the time it was like, eh, they're really good. And I'm pretty fortunate, you know? So, yeah, I know we, this summer I was, I was fortunate to work, have been working with one of your former guests, Travis Walsh. And I was working one of his camps up at SMB and the head coach from SMB was there. And and, you know, you build up to say, oh, this is the head coach that had Jalen Suggs, you know, and he's just an average, normal guy like you and I, but he comes up to me and he says, before you go, I got to have your best drill and I got to have your best team building. And, you know, we did team building, but I never, I don't think back to, you know, here's this one specific thing we did. I, I it just, it goes back to how we did it. And it, you know, I think you can do something. Yeah. Try to build team but I think it's just something over time that was developed. So I really had a hard time telling him something drill, no problem. You know, I could give, I gave him some special team, team drill that we like, but um, you know, so I never really answered that for him because it was, if I sit down and talk with somebody, Oh yeah, that's what we did. It was just at just how it kind of went. And um, I think it's just being real genuine. It goes back. I think a lot of it is you, you say this in the classroom, or I don't, it can be at a workplace or whatever, but I think, I think it's, and this isn't, going to be revelational to anybody uh nobody cares what you know until you, you know they know you care and i think that's that's so huge i think it's so huge and I, I did i have some guys that walked away from our program probably not real crazy to me sure i did but i think deep down i think most people understood that i cared about them and and uh you know once you get to that uh, the rest of it's pretty easy i mean with your group i had to put the keys in and turn the car on and that's pretty much what it came down to. And, um, you know, I think if you can get kids in that right direction, it's a pretty much putting the keys in and going. There's something so valuable about that. It's like, we want to over do things. Like we want to be involved too much. Sometimes we, you know, like I say this a lot, the reason I love working with high school kids, right. Is that I learn as much from them often as they do from me because they're like, they're just with it in a lot of ways. We don't give them nearly enough credit for the intellect, the, the things that they're challenging, the, the places where they're going. And 
I, I mean, I remember I watched a play from the Rams in 2001, the greatest show on turf, right? Where they did a little shovel pass to Oz Hakeem and then ran option with him and Marshall Falk. And I'm like, we got to do this. We got to do this. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. We'll, right. So I, I shoveled to Tony. Tony's going to go run option with somebody with Paul probably. And it didn't work. Right. I think we scored a two point conversion, but Tony's just a freak and made it happen. Right. Um, and like, it just didn't work. And you're like, sure, we'll put it in. No big deal. Um, but then you're like, nah, let's just, let's just run like dive and lead and <laughs> toss and we'll be fine. Like, you know, it, it was in some ways it's like, we can listen to our, our students and our athletes and they're going to give us some good stuff. And it's not all going to be gold. Right. I, it wasn't for me all the time. I'll guarantee you that. But when we're open to those conversations, we create that connection in the way that gives that lasting sort of impact. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible. The, the community that you have built. And I think, you know, we had John's head basketball coach on, and I think he would say the same thing, right? Like there was a community around Minnewaska basketball that had these, this it's lifelong, you know, it's a lifelong community. And, and as coaches, we want to hang banners. We want to win trophies. We want kids to have experiences that are mountaintops. But the true value in this is, can you connect deeply enough to make kids want to come and put together a blocking sled just because we're hanging out together? And I I think uh, one of my favorite books is Seasonal Life. And I can't remember the name of the author. He worked with Joe Joe Herman. Uh, That's where I first learned who Herman was. But in there, the school that he's at, it talks about they were some prep school out east and, and they were really good. And the co- head coach is saying that we had had a preseason scrimmage and afterwards we have a big barbecue and the fam- families are all there. And he says, I remember a mom and dad or a group of parents asking, you know, how good are we going to be? And he's like, I don't know. And he says, we're probably going to be 10 and 0. And the whole point was, we don't know until 30 years from now. And I really hung on to that once I read that. And that was what we talked about all the time. And that, that comes back to me from others. And, you know, I know that that became who we were and was successful because, you know, I, people can think with all they want about like Facebook and the social media and all that. And I'm on that only because a former player invited me to be part of a, a Nicollet football thing many, many years ago. It was Ryan. Yeah. And we just discussing, discussing things from football in the past, but now I have former players that I'm friends with and they share pictures of their kids. And that is so cool. Yeah. And I see what they're doing in life. And that's when you know, you've made an impact. And uh, yeah, the banners are nice, but nobody's going to, not going to wrap us in them when we go in that box, <laughs> you know, I mean, so, and you, you sometimes have to keep those things. You need those moments of perspective when you're like, Oh, I'm missing football. I got to get back to coaching. You know, I got to get another banner. No, I don't. If it happens, great. But um, you know, you just sometimes have to realize that the, the great, what the greater impact is. And so, um, you know, that's, I guess if there's a takeaway from that is for younger coaches is understanding that. So coach, can I offer a suggestion next time you get the team building question? Yeah. Cause, cause what I've, what I've heard you say is consistent contact consistently being a part of, and it's football, it's school, it's life, right? That yeah. kid that was sitting in the parking lot thinking he was going to quit. You took the time to go pour into him, to be in contact with him. And I think, again, people, coaches are looking for, Oh, can I do a pizza party? Can I do a water park day? Can I fill in the blank? Right. And that's going to create this thing. 
but it's consistency and being a part of it with them. Now, that being said, if you were, now you're kind of on the outside looking back over a very successful career. If you were, this would be hard to do. Hopefully it's easier than I'm thinking it is going to be, but if you're going to boil it down to one piece of advice for coaches out there, what's one thing that you would challenge or encourage them to do as they continue to try to lead their teams and their communities? I think you got to be yourself. I really do. Um, you can't worry about what others think or what others tell you. Um, I was I there? Sure I was, but you got to be, you got to be who you are. It's like Jamie brought up when we switched things years ago, it's like, I think most people thought I was absolutely nuts. You know, in nine man, you have three linemen. We're going to a spreads formation. We're going to get your quarterback killed who Jamie remembers always got hurt anyway. So it's like, yeah, we're in the state finals and he survived because we taught it right. But it was that belief. And we, we never strayed away from that. And now everybody wants to run a uh, hurry up shotgun, no huddle offense in you know, Southern Minnesota for nine man. So I guess it was, you know, that, that's great. They wanted to copy us, but I think you have to be true to yourself. And, uh, you know, I probably wasn't always that way when I first started, but when you look back on it, that's really a big part of it. And, and I will like reiterate that that does not mean coach Boone six plays like, no, can't give him time. That always <laughs> works. That like, that was incredible. You are a creative kind of scatter shot. I want to try this. I get excited about it. And if you're passionate about it, it's going to work people. Like it's going to work. Cause I saw it. I saw it over and over and over again over the past 20 years. Like, we're going to try this. What do you think? Well, I don't know, 90, coach. <laughs> in 93, we were able to pretty much as at 93, we were able to go coach Boone because of the running back we had. So yeah, uh, he was a big dude. So it's, it, it's just, you gotta, you gotta be willing to change. Good. John, anything else? I don't have anything else. Coach, you got anything else you want to say? Any questions oh, for us? I, no, I appreciate it. It was, it was, uh, like I said, listening to your podcast, some of the people you have on, I'm like, wow, I get to kind of share the moment that they do. But you know, one thing I was going to ask Jamie is, and, and I remember years ago, you're talking about just doing, I don't remember where it came up early in the conversation, but I think you had told me once, and I was just curious what you saw. Uh, you were younger at the time. I don't remember what age you were. And you said you were at a game with your dad. You were watching, and uh, some about you had commented. He was, I don't know if he had questioned something I had done or whatever. And you had just said, I think he's got this figured out or something. And I'm like, as a youngster at that point in time, did you see something that told you that? I mean, as, a, as, a, as an athlete, as a for, future player, you know, was there something that you remember? And maybe you don't remember that point. I, I do remember the moment. I don't know what it was that was the trigger for it. I think the thing that I've always said, and this is, you were talking about the, kind of the rotating seat of assistant coaches that you had is that they hired you hired them they were hired by the school for a reason they have some background they have some knowledge they've done something right at some point i think you had probably just won enough games you had been in enough contexts where you were winning whereas like i don't want to question this and i i really struggle going to football games now Right. Being in the stands at in the audience of a football game or a wrestling match, because I'm not at practice. Yeah. I'm I'm not coaching those kids up. I don't I don't get to second guess from the audience because I don't know what you worked on for the last four days. 
right? And if you thought it was going to work and you were convicted by it, like go and try and execute it. And if the other team made you not execute terribly well, you tip your cap and you say, we learn from that and we move on. And somewhere I probably around that time when I made that comment to my dad, when I, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, it was like, they get paid to do this. They've put in the time and the energy and the effort. Like I need to validate the fact that somebody hired them to do exactly that thing. You know, I couldn't have articulated that when I was 12, but, um, now I think that's something I believe in deeply. Like I, yeah, I have a ton of background in football. I have a ton of background in wrestling. I know a lot about track and I've been around a lot of different sports, right. But I don't get, I don't have the luxury of saying they did it wrong because I have no idea how they approached it. Maybe a kid did execute wrong or we did, we have the wrong call in, but that's not for me to judge. That's for the team and the staff to judge after the fact. And so I, I, I just want to honor the work that people do, you know, and instead of second guessing it, say, how can I help? Um, and so, yeah. Well, it's, it's a, a wise person told me once that if you did put in the time and didn't go well, they practice too. <laughs> I wonder who said that numerous times in the past. Yeah. Um, that was, that was a coach Millerism that I, that I stole. They practice too. I actually used it this morning with the team. It's like, if they, if somebody else wins, like you gotta just, sometimes they're better than us. Like, that's okay. Um, but you know, so. along with that, one of my, my, I'll, I'll leave you with this. One of my favorite stories over the years. And this was when coach Wick was with us, you guys were, it was, you guys were playing and we went and we called timeout. I think it was fourth down midfield. And I don't know if we we're trying to put a game away or whatever. And I said, I'm going out to you. And I, he knows me well enough. He knows I'm probably going to go for it. And he wants me to punt the ball. And he's like, talk to you guys. And I think we decided to go for it. And it, I come over and I said, oh, well, he says, what are we going to do? I said, oh, we're going to roll the dice. And I just happened because I teach elementary school. I had two dice in my pocket that day. So I popped the dice out to him. I said, oh, we're going to roll the dice. And we went for it on fourth down and got it. And he just looked at me like, oh, geez. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's many a times we did that and there again i think that speaks down like you said if you got to be true to yourself and you gotta um but also i think the you guys knew you'd get that first down you know i, well, I don't anybody all it takes is one guy to say we won't get it and i knew you believed it and i also know that i numerous times called the wrong play with you guys and lucky you guys were smart enough to change it in the huddle so uh like you had instilled that in us and like that is the greatest gift a coach can give i think you know like we talk about mindset and we talk about having an eyes up mindset. What is that? That's deep belief, right? It's just deep yeah. belief. And as a coach, that's our job is to empower our athletes, empower our community as teachers, as leaders, as businessmen, and employers. Like our job is to empower the people that we work with to say, you're capable, you're good enough. Like, and if not, I need to coach you up. I need to teach you. I need to grow you in such a way that so the next time you face this challenge, you are there. And I think throughout my experience, you know, with you know, at Nicollet football, Nicollet track, Nicollet wrestling, whatever Bethel, when I've coached, like that has been the message that has maybe been the most resonant for me. And I think John would say that also, like, as we've had many, many conversations, that's a refrain, you know, it's like, we gotta, we just, we gotta trust them. We gotta trust them. And I, you gave us that, you gave me that as a young coach, you know, at 19 or 20, you gave me the belief in myself that I could do this for a living and for real. And, uh, for that, I'm eternally grateful. And you had a huge impact on, you know, our community, um, and a number of my peers. And, uh, that's, that's what this thing's all about. So thank you for that. Thank you for who you are in my life. And, uh, yeah. well, you're welcome for that. And that comes back to me too. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <clears throat> Excuse me.
thanks for joining us today, coach. Uh, can't wait to, to share your story and, and uh, get it out there. Thank you. Thanks again to coach Murph for joining us. I, I don't know if I can call him coach Murph, but I feel, I called him coach the whole time, Jamie. So uh, yeah. it felt natural. Everybody just calls him Murph. I don't like coach Murph sounds weird to my, my ear, but um, a little too formal. Potentially, potentially. Out of reverence, I, I, I remember being like a second or third grader and I, I had him as a fourth grade teacher also. And it was Mr. Murphy, right. Or it was coach Murphy. You didn't get to call him Murph until you were like a seventh grader. You had been through his classroom. Um, and then it was, you got to, you got to call him Murph. So uh, what a gift that that conversation was for me. I, you know, when we started the podcast, John, we talked about being able to have these sorts of conversations be broadcast. And Tom has been a person that I have gone to consistently in my life as someone to just have these impactful conversations with, and we don't do it nearly enough. We talk probably four times a year now. Right. Um, but we've, we've moved to a place where it, it was, he was my teacher and my coach. And then he was a colleague that I worked with and we coached together. And then we're just, we've become friends and, uh, he cares deeply about what's happening in my life. And I care deeply what's happening in his life. And I think, that speaks to a lot of what our conversation was even like invest in your people and be yourself and they will invest back, you know, and connect with them deeply. And you might have these lasting relationships. He doesn't have that with every athlete. I know that like, and I don't have it with many of athletes, but I think I have friendships from athletes that I've coached. Yeah, no, <clears throat> some, some really cool things that hit me regardless. You know, we, we certainly talk football, not X's and O's, but we talk through the lens of football, but extricated out into, to rest the rest of life. Right. The things that kind of stood out to me were and challenged me. And I'm thinking, and sorry for my slow response there, because like, I literally was thinking about this, but like, it's the, don't pretend to always have the answer. Like that, just, I have that written down on my, my sheet and, and it just is like a flashing neon sign for me right now. Like, don't always pretend that we have the answer. And I think that's true for any leader, any person, we don't have to always have it figured out. It's okay to say, I don't know, yeah, but I will figure it out. And I think that's the part where most people, we just pretend to know because we think one, it's a vulnerability and a courage thing. But then the second part is, it's okay to say, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. Right. And I think, sorry, go ahead. But no, but that speaks to who he is too. Right. Not yeah. just the, like he said it multiple times there at the end is like, be who you are, be what you are about because you can't be anybody else. Like you can't try and coach or teach or lead through somebody else's lens. You have to do it through your own. And he is very much a person like, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to go find an answer for us. And it might not be the answer, right? Sometimes it might be that I got a little bit lucky and he admits to that, but we can experiment. And if we like failure is okay, you know, and, and uh, yeah, we didn't have a lot of that in my high school experience. Um, we were competitive in just about every, every game we played and, you know, win or lose. And, but there were certainly times through his career where they got it 
put on them pretty good and like, okay, that didn't work. Let's try, let's go back to the drawing board. And sometimes it was like, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like we're going to start brand new, fresh all over again. And uh, yes, don't do that every time, but sometimes it might be needed. And, and that was always a fresh perspective from him was always something that I was ready for like, Hey, what are you going to try? Is that's crazy and weird this time, you know? And a lot of the times it worked not because they, they taught it really well, not because they had better athletes. Like they taught it really well and they believed in it. Yeah. And I, I just go back to, it's another definition. You know, we talk about living eyes up and eyes up mindset. Right. And sometimes it's hard for me to define what that means because it's not one thing it's not one thing for me or for you. And it's, it's, it's multiple things. And this is just another example of that. It's like, what does it mean to live eyes up? It means I'm going to make mistakes. I don't always have the answers. I'm going to have to go a different way. Sometimes there's going to be obstacles and I'm gonna have to figure out a way to move through them. Right. But so often we just, we go eyes down, right. And we go internal and nope, I have it figured out. And then, you know, who knows where we end up. That, that is a barrier to community also, right? When we are, and we've talked recently about isolation and when we get some isolation, we crave more of it. But when we say, I know, and I have the answer and I have it figured out, right? You create a wall for your people, the people you're leading, the people you're coaching to have to work through. I think Tom did an amazing job of not always having that wall. Maybe some of the community felt like there was a wall at times, right? But I don't think his players ever did. I don't think the people he led or coached or taught ever felt like I can't approach him. I can't go to him for this thing. And um, that's that was always the lesson for me. And a lot of the stuff that you guys have heard over the course of 60 plus episodes now is it started from a lot of the stuff he poured into us as, as young people. And, um, so, so we give a huge thank you to Tom and, and to that program because it's, it's part of the reason we're here today. No doubt. And like you said, Jamie, that the impetus behind our podcast is have cool conversations. And I'm, you know, I'm grateful that we were able to do that with one of your coaches that was so instrumental because I've had that experience and, and it's really cool. And um, I'm grateful for that too. And just to be able to see you guys interact is it really is why I think coaching in sports is so impactful um, because it is lifelong. So appreciate that. And I'm hopefully you had the same enjoyment that I had when I got to do that. So, and for those of you out there listening, we appreciate you. The best way that you can support us and help us is give it away, share this message or all of the other episodes, anything that has spoken to you, Jamie, you and I got to be in person not that long ago and, and actually got to meet some people that, have listened and they, sh- they brought stuff to us and they said, Hey, it's nice to meet you finally in person. And it was kind of surreal a little bit. Cause they're like, I know that, I know that voice. Yeah. We're, or, Hey, I've seen you on the YouTube and I don't know. It's, it's a wild deal, but again, I'm, I have tremendous gratitude for the weekly conversations, the weekly interactions. When, when I get a text message or uh, an email that says, keep going, it's providing value. So, um, let us know what you're loving. Let us know what we should do better. Uh, we're always willing to hear feedback because that's, that's part of this process as well. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully you got a little bit better today 
And as always, live eyes up. <laughs>